This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Those guys are psychos, man. I mean, the way, the way they train them and, like, teach them to, like, yeah, they're psychos up there, and uh, they, do a, they do a really good job. I mean, that's a, that's a position that um, they are training to, to be, you know, violent, and um, you can definitely see it on the field. And, you know, I agree with Coach Sala. The hardest thing for a quarterback to play efficiently is when, when you're getting pressure, especially pressure when they're not even bringing extra guys. When you have four guys up front that can get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be a long day. So I think those guys are doing an awesome job and um, big for our team to have that. That was Zach Wilson talking about that Jets defensive line. He faces them in practice every single day. Bryce Young got a welcome to the NFL moment yesterday by that Jets defensive line. Honestly, after Bryce Young got absolutely destroyed on his first drop back attempt, I would have probably pulled him there if I was Frank Reich. I'm not risking my five foot ten quarterback against this Jets defensive line. And what's crazy is that the defensive line that played yesterday is technically the Jets' second string, second and third string. Quinn Williams wasn't out there yesterday. Al Woods wasn't out there yesterday. Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers, they weren't out there yesterday. That D-line was nasty for the Jets. I was thinking about this. The Jets' D-line is the most talented D-line they've had probably since the New York Sack Exchange. What's the nickname for this group if they're as good as we think they could be? You can't call them... Sack Exchange 2.0. That that feels a little lazy. New Sack City, does that work, Jet fans? Tweet me your nicknames for the Jets' defensive line because they're going to be nasty this year. They are so good. I mean, guys like Quinton Jefferson, underrated signing by Joe Douglas getting a sack yesterday. But what would you call the Jets' defensive line? We can't call them the Sack Exchange. Can't call them Sack Exchange 2.0. Let me know your thoughts, at Jake Asman on Twitter. 1S, A-S-M-A-N, Asman. Find me there. 800-919-3776. More of your calls right now on the Jets. Herm Edwards, nice enough to join us tonight at 8.30, talking about the Jets and the Giants with Coach Herm coming up. Let's get back to the phone calls right now. Let's go to Peak Scale. Let's go to V-Man, who's up next. He wants in on the Jets conversation. V-Man, you're first up this hour. What do you got for us? Hey, Jake. How are you doing? Saw you were on, and I said, you know, why don't I call in for the first time? Well, welcome aboard, B man. Yeah, no, um, honestly, the talk about what you said earlier I was mentioning the running backs. I'm confident, like you know, at first, like I said, I was with you. Dalvin Cook was very heavy into Dalvin Cook, but at this point, I feel that the firepower in the running back room is sufficient for us to last through the season. So you're saying I you broke up there a little bit, B man. You're saying you don't need Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I feel that the firepower in the running back room is sufficient for us to get through the season. I Based on what we have seen so far, and thank you for the call, V-Man, I agree. I did not feel that way going into training camp, though. But we saw a version of Michael Carter yesterday that we haven't seen since he was a rookie. It's why, like, Jet fans, we were so excited about Brees Hall and Michael Carter sharing the backfield together last year. And really, it was just Brees Hall carrying this offense the first seven games before he got hurt. Michael Carter really didn't do anything all year. He got hurt as well. And he just didn't play well. But it seems like he's in a better headspace. And he seems like he's in a much better spot. Look, I would still probably take Dalvin Cook on a one-year deal for like $5 million. But the story's coming out that Dalvin Cook and the Jets are 3 or $4 million apart in the latest contract talks. I'm not overpaying for a 28-year-old running back. And Dalvin Cook's good. But they're just not going to do it. 
They're just not going to do it. That's not what Joe Douglas does. You can never have enough talent on your football team, but yesterday's a bad day to be Dalvin Cook. If his leverage is, well, the Jets eventually are going to increase their offer because they need me, not based on what we saw from Michael Carter yesterday, not based on what we saw from Izzy Abanaconda now for two straight games. No way. I think you got to be really encouraged by the running game yesterday. Dalvin Cook who? That's what I'm saying. Let's go back to the phones right now. Let's go to Gator in Tampa Bay. Gator, you're up next. You're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Jake. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to say, first off, I think your interview skills are off the chart. I really am impressed by you and the way you handle yourself. Uh, Thank you, Gator. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. As far as the sack exchange, uh, a name, I feel like that's maybe at best a mid-season thing. I think we got to wait on that because – there's a lot of legacy there to uh, to actually give them a name yet, but uh, we can certainly start thinking about it. Uh, my main question is about Will McDonald. I was trying to think about the Jets picking this guy in the first round. Of course, we were all a little surprised, but I was wondering what you think about how Salah and team look at the schedule and the fact that they're facing Josh Allen twice, Jalen Hurts, they're facing him once or twice, and Patrick Mahomes once or twice and how that may affect their pick to try to stop some of these running quarterbacks. Yeah, excellent call, Gator. Thank you again for the kind words. For those who missed it, we did have Johnny Damon on our show tonight in the first hour, caught up with 2009 World Series champion. We got Herm Edwards coming up at 8.30. If you want to hear the Damon interview, I just got tagged in the podcast tweet from the station account and retweeted it at Jake Asman. If you want to hear Johnny Damon talking about a much better time for Yankee fans back during the glory years, so to speak, of that 2009 season and much more. You know, as far as the Will McDonald pick, I don't know if they necessarily drafted him because they looked at the schedule and said, oh, we got to face a bunch of these elite quarterbacks, so we got to just go edge rusher no matter what. I think it was a combination of they know what the schedule is and they love the player. They thought he was a good fit. Bryce Huff could be a free agent at the end of this year. Carl Lawson could be a free agent at the end of this year. You're always drafting guys and thinking about the future as well. So I think when they took McDonald, they loved the player. They loved the talent. Yusala on the phone is gushing about how he couldn't wait to put him in his wide nine scheme and just say, hey, your job, go get the quarterback. Don't worry about stopping the run. Don't worry about setting containment. We're bringing you in to get after the quarterback. That's what Salah told him on the phone on draft night. And I truly believe they loved the player. And what's not to love based on what we have seen so far, Jeff fans? The spinorama, the pass rush efficiency. And, and look, I'll also say this. While I wanted the Jets to draft an offensive lineman the night of the draft, I was one of the many people saying, lineman, 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 get a tackle, Broderick Jones. I'm going to give Joe Douglas the benefit of the, dra- uh, the, benefit of the doubt because of how damn good he was at drafting talent last year. When you draft the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, and by the way, he probably drafted two offensive rookies of the year if, Bryce, if Brees Hall didn't get hurt. And we saw Jermaine play well, Max Mitchell as a fourth-round pick stepped up. When you have that, you earn the benefit of the doubt in my mind. So when they took McDonald, there was a, well, I'll wait and see. And you can see why they love him. Through two games, Will McDonald has 25 pass-rushing snaps, six pressures, three quarterback hits, one sack, and a 24% pressure rate. To put it in perspective, 
Bryce Huff, who's on the Jets, obviously, led all NFL defensive ends with a 22% pressure rate. So McDonald, yes, small sample size, is above that. That's how good he's been. That's courtesy of true media with those stats. I mean, yesterday, McDonald against the Panthers, who played their first team offensive line, four pressures, one sack, two quarterback hits, and 11 pass rushing snaps. I'm going to ask Herm Edwards coming up at 8.30. Hey, when you draft the guy in the first round, how quickly can you tell if you know you got that pick right? Because I think the Jets clearly got that pick right already. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's you know, going to be Micah Parsons or anything. But I watch Will McDonald, and the talent level just jumps off when you watch him. Same for a guy like Jermaine Johnson, who looks like a different player this year. We know he's got a new number. He's got a different number, but he looks like a different player this year. More of your Jet Calls coming up in the next segment. We'll get to the Giants as well throughout our show. And I mentioned it, Herm Edwards, 8.30. He joins us. So let's take more of your calls coming up at 800-919-3776. It's Jake Asman with you. It's the Jake Asman Show till 10 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Football season is back, and you have the chance to be part of the action by winning VIP tickets to Jets training camp, courtesy of your local Honda dealers. Keep it locked in for your chance to win coming up later in the show. Visit your local Honda dealer for a great deal today. Honda is a proud partner of the New York Jets. Speaking of the New York Jets, the last head coach they had who led them to a division title, Herm Edwards, will be joining us coming up in the next segment at 8. 30. Looking forward to catching up with Coach Herm. And I'm sure we will bring up the fact that he famously said, you play to win the game. Because that's what the Jets did in 2002 when they won the division. You play to win the game. There it is. My favorite part about that, by the way, Joe Leo, who just fired off that drop, is the hello at the beginning there. You know what I mean? Like there's the you know, you play to win the game that everyone remembers. But play it again. The hello is like an underrated aspect of the whole thing. Hello, you play to win the game. There's a rhythm to it. Hello, you play to win the game. I love Herm. Five years as the Jet head coach. They went to the playoffs in three of those years. And Pennington was hurt in the two. They didn't go to the playoffs. So it's not like he was just an unmitigated disaster in the other years. There was context to it. Now, I know Jet fans gave Herm a hard time. They gave Paul Hackett probably an even tougher time, which is kind of funny because now Nathaniel Hackett is the Jets' OC, but Herm Edwards was a good coach. He was. He'll join us coming up in the next segment. More of your calls right now on the Jets. We'll talk about the Giants with Coach Edwards as well. Let's keep it rolling here, and let's go out to Virginia Beach. We're going to Johnny, who wants in on the Jet conversation. Johnny, you're next up. You're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7. What do you got? Hello. I got to say that. I got to say that, man. I had to do it. What's going on, Jake? How you doing, buddy? Hey, keep I'm up great, Johnny. Work, man. I got to second what um, Gator said, dude. Your interview skills are top notch. But um, I was calling in regards with the with the nickname, right? Yep. Um, I think Dre said rush hour because it's going to be pretty much 60 minutes of us rushing the quarterback the entire game, or the Cyclones because those dirty spin moves that McDonald has. And did you see Jermaine Johnson with that spin move as well? Yes. And then, and then the other thing was, um, in regards of, you know, you know that I'm a huge Coots fan, right? And with the way the tight ends are playing, 
I mean, do you, are they going to roll with four? Do you think, or do they go ahead and and just stay with the three? That's thanks for the call, Johnny. Yeah, look, I actually don't hate the uh, rush hour nickname for the Jets' defensive line. That's not bad. I came up with New Sack City. I think the laziest thing we could do is Sack Exchange Part Two or Two Point Oh. I just I think we could do better than that as Jet fans, so we'll work on that. As far as the tight end situation, how bizarre was that yesterday? The Jets throwing the ball to the tight ends. I mean, every tight end that played for the Jets, I believe all six of them caught at least one one catch. Koontz had two. Ruckert had two. Yaboa had two. Uzama had one. Conklin had one. EJ Jenkins, who I got to admit I never even heard of until yesterday, and he caught a touchdown, he had one. <laughs> the Jets throw into a tight end. They haven't done that since Dustin Keller was the tight end 13 years ago. And we know Aaron Rodgers loves to throw to his tight ends. I mean, he, he made Robert Tunyon look like a legitimate threat in their offense a few years back. He had like 10 touchdowns in the season. I think if you play fantasy football, it's like which Jets tight end do you draft, though? Because it seems like the top three, which is Conklin, Uzama, and Rucker, they're all going to play. So which tight end would you draft? I don't know. But I think the Jets are going to heavily feature a tight end in their offense this year. Heavily feature a tight end. No question about it. Which one? Probably to be determined. More of your calls right now. Let's go to Mark, who's in Newark, wants in on the combo. Mark, you're up next. You're on 98.7 ESPN with Jake Asman. What do you got? Hey, what's going on, Jake? I follow you and listen to your show and the shadow realm and all that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate you calling in. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, the guy that wanted Bryce up to be traded, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you should send him to the shadow realm. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> secondly, uh, the uh, the nickname, uh, I like Rush Hour. It's good. I also like the dragon. The dragon? The dragon. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Mark, I appreciate the call, man. Uh, look, the dragon, like, the, the the dragon to me is more kind of like the like the the symbol for the team. Like Rogers on the Michael K show, Don LaGreca asked him about coming to the Jets and slaying the dragon. Right, Mark Messier came to the Rangers, he slayed the dragon, and Rogers' answer to that question was, "I don't know about slaying the dragon. How about becoming the dragon?" Like if the Jets' slogan this year was "Become the Dragon," I think that'd be pretty cool. We know the Jets' slogan every year with Sal is "All gas, no break," though. I'm fascinated by this D-line, though, because there is a ton of talent, man. You know, forget just Quinton Williams, who was first-team All-Pro, who they did the right thing by paying. In fact, when I was out in Canton last week and I had a conversation with Woody Johnson, Woody told me, he told Quinton, he took out, like, change from his pocket and goes, this is all I have left after paying you, which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, you did the right thing. And Woody told me, quote, I was happy to do it. So that's from the Jet owner about paying Quinton, Jet fans. But... It's not just Quinnen, right? JFM, Carl Lawson, good football players. Jermaine Johnson, looking like he's taking a huge step. McDonald, wow. I mean, even up the middle, Al Woods, Quinton Jefferson, these guys are good players they have up front. They got real talent. Bryce Huff, real talent there. It's exciting if you're a fan of the Jets. You haven't had talent like that in years. Years. Legitimate talent that should be able to help win games. And we had a caller earlier this hour, I believe it was Gator in Tampa Bay, who brought up 
hey, you draft McDonald because look at the quarterbacks you got to go up against. And, yeah, that's certainly part of it. But you got to just have a fourth-quarter pass rush in general if you're going to win games in the NFL. Right, the Jets expect to be playing with a lot more leads. How do you close out Patrick Mahomes? How do you close out Joe Burrow? How do you close out Justin Herbert? Josh Allen twice. Jalen Hurts. How do you win games? Because I think the Jets are going to be in basically every game this year. There should be no blowouts. And for the most part, it's not like they got blown out a lot last year. There were very few games they did because the defense kept them in every game. But now the defense should be playing with some leads, should be able to close out some games, not just keep them in games. And if it's tight late, you got number eight with the ball on the two-minute drive, and you feel better about him than any quarterback in the league right now, probably not named Mahomes in that spot. I mean, how often have we watched Rodgers do that in his Hall of Fame career? It's a different world the Jets are operating in. I'm a little nervous because it's been so long, but this is a good team. I'm not predicting a Super Bowl. I'm not guaranteeing anything Joe Namath style. But the minimum expectation for the 2023 New York Jets is playoffs or, or, or bust or changes. And I want to win the division. We got Herm coming up. They haven't won the division since he was the head coach. It's time to win the AFC East. The Jet fan has not experienced a home playoff game in over 20 years. The Jet fan has not experienced a, a big game really at MetLife ever. It's time. I mean, and that really goes for the Giants, too. There's been one home playoff game at MetLife Stadium since it was built, and both teams started playing in it in 2010. Just one. We've had a Super Bowl there. We've had a Cortica Jug game there. Go with the Bombers. We've had Army-Navy there. We've had Ed Sheeran there, Taylor Swift. We have not had a home Jet playoff game there. It is time. It is time. Let's go to Gary in New Jersey. He's up next on 98.7 ESPN with Jake Asman. Gary, what do you got for us? Hey, good evening, Jake. Um, first time, long time. First, I'd like to just give a shout-out to a wonderful job you're doing for representing J-E-T-S, Jess, Jess, Jess. I mean, I'm floored. I tell people about your podcast. I'm, like, all over it. I got a great nickname for this defensive line because we have so many great players. The Marigold D-line. Also, Jake, I think we got to give flowers to DJ Reed. We need a nickname for him since Sauce has one. Since we have two islands, I'm going to put out there, if he likes it, Shine Reed. What do you think? Shine Reed. Gary, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you for the kind words. I'll say this about DJ Reed. He might be the most underrated player in football. I think Jet fans know how good he is. I think the people that cover the Jets know how good he is. He graded out like a top 10 corner last year. Joe Douglas has not been perfect, but he is a phenomenal GM, man. Getting DJ Reed at the contract he's playing at right now, woof. Rodgers might need to take another pay cut to keep this guy in a couple of years. He's going to get paid. DJ Reed's a number one corner on a lot of teams in the league. The Jets are lucky to have him as their number two. And he's a great leader. Would not surprise me if he's a team captain this year. Him or Sauce. DJ Reed does need a nickname, though. So we got to come up with a nickname for the D-line and I guess for DJ Reed as well. Got some real talent on this team, man. I'm excited. You just hope to God between now and the start of the year, no injuries for the Jets, no major injuries. Protect number number eight. Get guys in position to be healthy to start the year. That's what it's about. Steven Zance just tweeted me a nickname for the Jets' defensive line. And 
Keep sending them in. We'll get back to that when we get off the phone with Herm Edwards coming up here. Rush Hour is a good nickname, but I personally like Sacks Off Fifth Ave. Sacks Off Fifth Ave is not bad. A little play on, obviously, a little New York City tie there. I like that. There's got to be one that we could come up with that's better, though, than just Sack Exchange Part 2 or 2.0. We'll keep working on that. Coming up next, we'll talk with the former head coach of the New York Jets, a man who said you play to win the game. You watch him on ESPN, where he's an NFL analyst. Herm Edwards will join us. We'll talk Jets. We'll talk Giants with Coach Herm coming up right here. It's Jake Asman with you. It's the Jake Asman Show till 10 o'clock on 98.7 ESPN New York. Hello. You play to win the game. You're listening to the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back in. It is the Jake Asman Show here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Jake Asman hanging out with you until 10 o'clock tonight. And joining us right now to talk all things New York Jets and New York Giants is the former head coach of the New York Jets. You now watch him on ESPN where he's once again an NFL analyst. Coach Herm Edwards joins the show. Coach, always great to catch up and I can't thank you enough for joining me tonight. Well, thank you. Uh, congratulations uh, on your new stint. Uh, you got your own show. You're, you're, you're big time now. I knew you win, but but now all of a sudden, boy, you are big time. Get to talk about the Jets and obviously the Giants, which is a good thing. Coach, I, I really appreciate it. And I will once again point this out. The last time the New York Jets won the division and had a home playoff game, you were the coach. So I think I speak for all the Jet fans listening. We are starving for a season like that, Coach. I mean, what have you made? of the Jets so far in the preseason? It, well, you know, when you watch them play here, the first game, and obviously Aaron Rodgers didn't play, um, uh, Zach Wilson, I thought, did a nice job. I think he's matured. I think uh, the acquisition uh, of uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you didn't know how he was going to accept that. He accepted it like a pro, I think, and, and that's good. He was a little bit immature last year, but you watched him go in the game, and, and, and basically the Jets are a better football team than the team they played against. I mean, that, that, that was obvious. Um, you know, this is a team that, that now is going into their third season with their coach, uh, where they play a team, obviously, a uh, uh, veteran coach, but his first year with his staff, uh, rookie quarterback, all those things are a part of it. So I, I just thought the Jets were the better team. It was very evident uh, in the beginning of that game, and as the game could continue to go on, um, you could just see the, the Jets were a dominant team. You know, they're a playoff team, uh, basically. I mean, that's what they are. They're, they're a playoff team. Now, can they win a division? They can. They can win their division. Uh, can they um, obviously win in the playoffs? They can do that, too. Uh, can they reach a Super Bowl? Uh, that's a tough reach, but it, it's possible because we, we've seen it happen before. So I think um, – when you look at them right now, they are set. Uh, They're excited about playing. A lot of pressure on them because of the expectations. When you get Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, on your football team, this team, I've said it in the last couple months, is getting more notoriety than that team in the middle of the country, the Dallas Cowboys. We talk about the Jets more than we talk about Dallas Cowboys, and that's hard to do. <laughs> Coach Herb Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst with us here at 98.7 ESPN. Jake Asman with you until 10 o'clock. So, Coach, I'm watching this game yesterday, and the Jets are not playing Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson. They're not playing a lot of guys in that defensive front, yet 
Here's Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, Will McDonald, their first-round pick. These guys are making plays. These guys are dominating against the Panthers' O-line that had their starters out there. When you look at this Jets' defensive front, and then you combine it with the back end they have with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, just how good can this Jets' defense be in 2023? This can be a dominant defense. And if you look at their head coach, Coach Salas, uh, you know, obviously he's with the 49ers. Uh, and he knows how to build a defense. You build it with the front guys. Uh, those are your anchors. Uh, no matter what else, if you have some guys up front, you can get pieces in the back end. And when you have a rotation system like they have now, similar to the 49ers, similar to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you come in waves. You know, you make those guys play, you know, four or five snaps and say, okay, we're going to bring a wave in and we're going to bring a new set of guys in. And that's always difficult for offensive linemen because, as you know, they're collectively they play together, they're that group of five, they're one glove. But now all of a sudden they're playing against a different rotation of players. And I thought in the preseason the thing that you realize when you're coaching, um, the offensive line is always behind. They're always behind the defensive lines. And if you watch these games, and I've been watching them, the offensive lines are, are, are a little bit now. that Some of them are not playing their starters, but the defensive line has an advantage right now. They just do. Coach, when you look at a guy like Will McDonald and Jeff fans have been blown away through two games, you know, you see the talent on tape. You see it when you're just watching these games as a former head coach, when you draft a guy, how quickly can you tell if you got that pick right? Like does Robert solid is Joe Douglas. Are they, are they talking to each other being like, man, we already know we, we nailed it with this Will McDonald pick. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he, he's a fabulous player. Reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, John Abraham, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and Ellis, we had Sean Ellis as well. You know, those guys were magnificent. They were drafted in the first round, both of them. Coach Parcells drafted both those guys. I ended up benefiting uh, to have those guys when I took over. But um, they were fabulous players. And there's a lot of pressure on first-round picks and, you know, how you handle that. And then there's a lot of pressure on a first-round pick that goes to New York. You know, that is alone enough pressure. You know, uh, we drafted one, of Robinson, who didn't handle it very well, had a lot of talent. But just didn't, you know, Dwayne Robinson didn't handle it very well. Uh, was fabulous in college. But when he got to pro football, just all those other things that he needed to do um, re really uh, hurt him as a football player. Coach Herm Edwards with us here at 98.7 ESPN, former Jets head coach. Now, of course, an ESPN NFL analyst. And, Coach, you look at the Jets, and a lot of people will talk about, hey, if they could keep Aaron Rodgers upright, this could be a damn good football team. Robert Sala said it's all about finding the best five guys to be out there. At what point do you think he has to kind of make a decision on who the best five guys are? At what point do you think he's got to get the best five guys to start playing together in practice ahead of the opener in week one? Well, by, you know, going into week three, you're going to probably have a rotation of seven guys. Uh, you're going to have your five and then you're going to have your two other guys you can you know plug and play. And that's OK. I mean, and, and, but you, you make the point. Uh, that has kind of been something that everyone's talking about, that, that, that tackle slot, you know, how are we handling that? You know, and, and, and look, you fix it in a lot of ways. I mean, you fix it in the fact that if we're struggling at the tackle, then you're going to have to do some chipping with a tight end or a back to help Aaron Rodgers out in, in third and long situations where they're going to, he's going to have to hold the ball some, but, but, but when I watched them play this week, uh, and it was vanilla offense for the most part. Moved to some. I thought Nathaniel Hackett did a nice job of allowing, um, obviously, Zach Wilson to be successful. I mean, Zach Wilson, okay. he You know, and I get it. It's a preseason game. But he, he was an entirely different player. 
And, and a lot of that has to do with the play calling and, and how you set the guy up for success. And I thought Nathaniel went in there with a great mindset of getting him, letting him get the ball out of his hand, some easy completions. And as it continued to grow on, you saw a guy with confidence. Nathaniel Hackett, I'm glad you brought him up. Obviously, when you were the head coach of the Jets, Paul Hackett was your offensive coordinator. And, of course, Nathaniel Hackett was in the news because of the comments that Sean Payton said. What did you think of that coach? And, obviously, as a former head coach, I mean, where do you stand with Sean Payton basically teeing off on someone who's supposed to be in that coaching brotherhood? Well, I think Sean came back and, and, and re revised some things he said. It's a shame that that all took place. Um, but with that being said, uh, I thought Nathaniel handled it correctly when he had to go to the media. And uh, you're right. Uh, Paul Hackett was my offensive coordinator. The, the Hackett family and myself go way back. Paul Hackett was a GA when I was at Cal as a freshman. <laughs> okay. Wow. Before Nathaniel was even born. Right? <laughs> and his wife, Elizabeth, obviously. So I go back with Paul Hackett when I was 18 years old going to college. And then Nathaniel, along with my son, were the ball boys of the Jets when, when Paul was there. It's a long time. So yeah. when you look at you know just the Jets and the hype and the expectations, one of the things Sean Payton said is, you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be you know this year's Broncos from last year. They tried to win the offseason, they're on hard knocks. And you know, I heard that coach and I'm just thinking to myself, well, one, the Jets didn't want to do the show. And two, I mean, they added Aaron Rodgers to a team that already had a great core in place. It's not like they signed a bunch of like over the hill veterans. So when you look at the Jets on paper, if you were the head coach of this team, how do you kind of handle all the hype and the expectations that's surrounding the team? Well, it, it's great to have all that attention, but then you got to go to work, right? And, and Coach Salah said it, you know, you, you win games by what you do on the grass and how you practice and how you go about your business. Look, there's enough veterans there. They've got good leadership there, and they've got a quarterback that has been an MVP. Um, he's won over the locker room. He's won the team over. He's won over a lot of fans now with hard knocks, right, because they see a different side of Aaron Rodgers. All they were hearing what Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay and I think that thing soured. You know, it was time for both parties to – I'm not going to say who's right or who's wrong, but there was a point there where I think both parties did the right thing. Uh, remember, Aaron Rodgers chose to come to the Jets. This was not the only team he could have signed on to. He, he looked at it – He and this is what I like about it. He came to the AFC. Just think about that. He came to the AFC. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the AFC when you go through the conferences. He didn't go in the NFC. I mean, the NFC, there's some good quarterbacks, but there's more young, talented quarterbacks right now coming up in the AFC, right? I mean, you look at every division, they got one or two of them coming up, and they've got some guys that have been there as well. He went to one of the hardest divisions. He comes to the, he comes to the AFC East, right? They got a good quarterback in Miami. We know we have one in Buffalo, right? The quarterback, in, in, and obviously in New England is going to be better, you know, so, I mean, this is kind of an interesting thing. He, he decides, you know what? I'm going to the Jets because the last time I had a great defense, I got to a Super Bowl. Does it surprise you, Coach, that he was willing to take a $35 million pay cut? He's committed to at least two years. I mean, as a Jet fan, I'm just waiting for, like, the, you know, the, the dream to end. I'm going to wake up, and this is all going to be a giant, a giant hoax. I mean, what's your reaction seeing just the way – Rodgers has seemingly ingratiated himself to his teammates, his coaches, and obviously the fans. That was a class, classic thing to do. And, and I think any quarterback that has played as long as Aaron Rodgers has, no different than what Tom Brady used to do, right? We've seen them all do that when they get longer in their career, knowing that, you know what, 
it's not about, I, I've had a lot of bites of this apple and I've had some big bites, by the way. Um, <laughs> I want to surround some people around me so I can get to that Super Bowl. You know, th- th- this is where you, you see the importance of trying to get there. And, and it's with players. And if I can get another player or two or keep some guys, keep some guys. I mean, that's the hard thing anymore because of the money you pay the quarterback now, right? It takes away from different positions. And obviously the one we all know is the running back. The running back position, his money is going to the quarterback, along with probably the middle linebacker, right? I mean, their money is all of a sudden leaving their pocket. Not knowing it's leaving it, but it's leaving your pocket, and you're going to pay the quarterback that money. Coach Herm Edwards with us here at 98.7 ESPN. New York, Jake Asby with you till 10 o'clock. We'll get into the Giants with Coach Edwards in a moment. But, Coach, I said it at the top. Last time the Jets won the division, you were the team's head coach. I mean, being a head coach in New York, being a head coach with the Jets, Sal has done it now for two years. This is a huge year three, as you know. What's the biggest challenge of being the Jet head coach? And what are some of the challenges you think he might have to deal with throughout the season? Don't listen to the noise. And, and he's good with that. And I think he has great rapport with his players. He's, he's garnered the respect of these guys. Um, and, you know, look, he knows what it takes to win games, big games. He's played in championship games. He's coached in champion. I should say he coached in championship games. Look, he comes from an organization that them San Francisco 49ers, you look at their records the last three or four years. They're pretty good. <laughs> they're always in the playoffs. They're winning the division. I mean, they're almost the Kansas City in, 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 in the NFC, right? They're almost the Chiefs in the NFC, to be quite honest. And they do it with numerous quarterbacks. See, that's what people are losing sight of. They've done it. The San Francisco 49ers have done it with di- different quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who the starter is for those guys. They just keep playing. So this defense, they've seen that. Now they've got a coach that's lived it. And now you get Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, you're talking about a team that couldn't score points. Well, now you got a team that's going to score at least 24 a game because Aaron Rodgers is going to throw two touchdown passes. He's going to throw 30-plus touchdowns. So you do the math, that's, that's, that's 14 points. If your kicker can kick two field goals, you got 20 right now. The defense is smiling. Talking about the Jets scoring 24 points a game, I mean, Coach, the NFL average last year I think was 22, and the Jets barely hit that in most of their games. They were 29th in scoring. So just yes. the, the fact that we could confidently say, hey, Aaron Rodgers is here, you got this defense. Like It's a different world the Jet fan is about to enter. Is that fair to say? it's different in, in the sense that uh, you have hope now you're in every game. You're going to be in every game. Now you're not going to win every game. I mean, look, you look at the first six games that are scheduled. Mm, it's daunting. I mean, they could get out of there three and three. And you know what? I'd go, you know, what? that's pretty good. Look who they play. They play a bunch of playoff teams there early. Right. So, Let's still, you know, let's don't think they're going to beat the Miami Dolphins and go undefeated. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's a, it's, it's just a matter of getting in the playoffs, having an opportunity to win your division, getting a home game in the playoffs. You know, last time they had a home game in the playoffs, what happened? It's pretty good for the Jets. Not bad. Forty-one nothing. Forty-one nothing. He gets a good quarterback and Peyton Manning, right? So I think that that is something they're looking at. The fans are looking forward to. But it's one game at a time. It truly is. And it's a long season. 
We're talking with ESPN NFL analyst Herb Edwards, Jake Asman, hanging out with you till 10 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Coach, let's talk about the other team in town, the New York Giants, and they've been flying under the radar really throughout the offseason. You had the Daniel Jones contract scenario. They worked out. They paid him. Saquon Barkley's contract franchise tag holdout was a story, but he showed up to camp and is seemingly okay with it for at least another season. What are your thoughts on this Giants team? What are the expectations following a year where they went to the playoffs and they won a playoff game and went to the divisional round? Uh, Coach did a fantastic job of, of, of really getting these guys into the playoffs, squeezing as much as he could off out of a team that um, really at the quarterback position, they, it was just, it was methodical. You know, don't, don't lose games. He wasn't going to allow the quarterback to lose the game, basically. Right. It was very methodical, very just, just, okay, our best player is the runner. If he can touch the ball a lot, we can move the ball enough. Our defense can hang in there where we can, you know, muddy the game up, right? Muddy the game up right now until we get our quarterback going. And so I think that's what they did last year. They, they played in a tough division. You know, you, now you're playing a division. You just mentioned it. Uh, 24 was the average. Well, you had the Philadelphia Eagles offense scoring 28 and the Dallas Cowboys scoring 27. So they were already in a division that, you know what, there's two teams in this division that are pretty good. You know, Dallas Cowboys have won 24 games in the last two years. You say what you want. They play in the NFC East. That's a tough division. And so the Giants are looking at this going, mm, right now, you know, we're battling to try to figure out, you know, we got to go through Dallas. We got to go beat Philadelphia. And don't don't count out Washington. You know, they play good in the division. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy has already made a, a statement in Washington with his offense. The players are upset. They were upset yesterday, and they ended up uh, winning a football game. And, you know, the quarterback went in there. The young quarterback played pretty good. So this offense started moving the ball. They got a big-time defense. They got a front that you can't run the ball on, right? So this is a tough division. The Giants – Tough football team, tough-minded football team. I think the quarterback takes a big leap from last year. He's very athletic. They went out and signed a couple wide receivers. They know they have to make more explosive plays in the passing game. When you look at their passing game, they were very deficient in plays of 20 or more down the field. They were almost dead last, right? And you got you, you can't rely on the runner breaking a tackle and making a big play all the time, right? It's too hard. you gotta, you got to shorten the field for the quarterback. And how do you do that? You got to hit some big plays. And I think if they can do that, their defense will play well. They're going to be in the hunt. You know, they're going to battle in that NFC. It's just a tough division, though. Coach Herm Edwards with us here at 98.7 ESPN York, talking about the Jets and, of course, now talking about the Giants. I mean, you brought up Daniel Jones. You talked about how they, hey, they added some weapons. They trade for a guy like Darren Waller. But now they're also paying Daniel Jones, $40 million a year. It was a feel-good story last year going from the fifth-year option being declined to now they got to pay him and they got to keep him. How much pressure, though, is on a guy like Daniel Jones? Because if he doesn't take a big step forward and he has another year where he throws only 15 touchdown passes and 3,200 yards, that's probably not going to be good enough for the Giants to get back to where they were last season. No, that number is going to have to go up at least by 10. He's going to have to be in the 25 range, 25-plus touchdowns. And if he can do that, that means they're going to score enough points. Their defense will take the ball away. They'll, you know, they got a good enough defense to hang in there. Um, you can close the game out uh, when you got a lead because you got a, a fabulous runner, right? I mean, that's one thing you can do. If they can play with a lead, they can close games out. They can take time off that clock with this runner. 
And, and, and that, don't lose sight of that because that's you know, people say what you want. Well, it's a passing. Yeah, it's a passing game. It's a passing league. But at the end, you know, you, you throw to score points. You got to run to win and you got to run to close games out. And when you have a dynamic running back in which they have. If you get a, uh, you know, you get a lead in the fourth quarter. Game's over because you can turn around and give it to this guy and he's going to make yards. Coach Herm Edwards with us here. Last question, coach. I mean, is there a day in your life that goes by where someone doesn't come up to you and reference your famous, you play to win the game speech press conference moment when you were the jet head coach back in 2002? Yeah, that, that, that I get that traveling through airports, just traveling. Um, <laughs> and I always tell them when they say it, I said, I said it one time and that was in that press conference. I never said it again. And it's funny when, when they repeat it, they always forget, they always forget the jingle. The hello. Everyone forgets the hello. That said it all up was hello. <laughs> Everyone gets to the, what I said, but no, it's really, don't forget the jingle. It's hello. And then, so basically when people ask me to say it, I said, no, I won't say it. I will say hello and you can repeat it. And then they repeat it. So it's, it's kind of funny. That's fantastic. Coach, I can't thank you enough. You've always made time for me in my career. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight here on ESPN New York. And continued success on your end. I'm so glad that you're back on ESPN all the time. We get a chance to check you out there. Thank you, my friend. Good being with you, and I'll be with you again anytime you need me. You know that. He's Coach Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst. My name is Jake Asman. It's the Jake Asman Show. We got a lot still to talk about with you till 10 o'clock. We're coming right back here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Back here, 98.7 ESPN New York. Jake Asman with you. Got about an hour and change left in the show. We're taking you till 10 o'clock. Big thanks. To Coach Herm Edwards for joining us in the previous segment. Really good to catch up with Herm, talk about the Jets, the Giants. And one thing he said about the Giants specifically that I thought was interesting there at the end of that conversation, Daniel Jones, who threw 15 touchdowns last year, needs to throw at least 10 more touchdowns at least for the New York Giants to be the type of team they were a season ago. And let's be real with the Giants. Last year came out of nowhere. The Giants didn't think Daniel Jones was going to be their long-term answer at quarterback. It's why they declined his fifth-year option. They had a surprising year. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. No one saw that coming. And the Giants fly under the radar right now, but once the games actually start, if Daniel Jones does not take a big step forward in his development, I think this fan base is going to start to turn on Daniel Jones a little bit. I don't think they're going to, you know, boo him. They're not going to treat Daniel Jones like he's, you know, Josh Donaldson on the Yankees, or Aaron Hicks, or Joey Gallo. But when you get paid a lot of money, the expectations change. And Daniel Jones is now being paid like he's a top-10 quarterback in the league. I don't know if he is. Last year, he was solid. He was efficient. He took care of the ball. Barkley had a huge year. And the Giants were able to win a lot of tight games. But what do you do for an encore if you're Daniel Jones? Now you're expected to be better. They got you some better weapons. You heard Herm talk about Darren Waller, some of the other names they added. What do the Giants now do going into what will be a fascinating season for them? And honestly, the first thing I look at for Daniel Jones that he has to do, he's got to win games against the two teams in front of the Giants in the division. They have to beat the Cowboys and Eagles this year if they want to be taken seriously. Have to. The Giants last year lost three games to the Eagles, lost two games they played against the Cowboys. 
their record against those two teams in their division over the last couple of years is horrendous. And unless they start beating the Eagles and beating the Cowboys, how could the Giants truly take a big step forward? That's why you're paying Daniel Jones. You're not paying him to be a guy that can help you win some of those games. You know, not just game manage a win over the Eagles or game manage a win over the Cowboys. And I really think if you're a Giant fan, look, we know opening night for the Jets is a big game because it's Buffalo. Well, the same thing could be said for the Giants on opening night because it's Dallas. It's time for the Giants to finally beat the Cowboys. When was the last time they did it? It's been a couple of years. The Giants need to go out there at MetLife on Sunday Night Football, and they got to set the tone. And Daniel Jones has got to play well. I mean, every year the Cowboys, always in the mix. They never win anything. But they at least get to the playoffs consistently. Say whatever, whatever you want about Dak Prescott, at least the Cowboys get there. If the Giants want to take that step, they got to beat Dallas on opening night. That's where it starts. That's what this Giants team now needs to do, paying a quarterback $40 million a year. Now, Daniel Jones, they're paying him almost like a projection of, hey, we think there's still a lot there that he could get better at. Like, we think there's another level to his game, another year in the system, better players around him. Because if Saquon Barkley gets hurt, has to miss some games, and he can't carry the offense like he did last year, how is this team scoring points unless – Daniel Jones takes a big step forward. That's the question. That's what Daniel Jones has to do now. He's paid like a guy that should be able to do it. But when you come out of nowhere and the expectations are low and you overachieve them, those are the best type of years if you're a sports fan. Now with the expectations raised, if you fail to overcome those expectations, those are the most painful years as a sports fan. Ask any Met fan. 101 wins last year. Look what happened this year. We'll get back into the baseball conversation coming up in the next segment. Jake Asman with you. We got one hour to go. If you want in on anything going down with New York sports, 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN is the number. One hour to go with you till 10 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN.